Ron, we begin a new series. I love new series. This is all about... How many parts of this is this series going to be? I, I'm only doing four-parters this year. Wow! Quads. It's quads, all about yeah. the quads. Leg yeah. days for days. Four-part series. <laughs> okay. Four Just because part that's series. what it requires to actually cover. Yeah, it does. A topic. It's getting dense. We're going to be talking about saving and investing. Yeah, and part of me, like I mentioned in the previous series, was like, how do you think about these series in relation to like the financial year? Sure. So people want to get their stuff right in the new year. They want to make resolutions. They do, yep. And And they feel anxious about those resolutions. Very, very anxious. (laughs) And they start looking at TikTok and buying books and doing all the stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then usually by like, you know, this time in February, they've, you know, they aren't doing the resolutions. So, <laughs> but we're sticking with everyone. Yes, that's right. And the next thing that kind of always pops up is investing. Like, I got to get my money growing. Got to make more money. And how can I get my money to work for me? Yeah. And I need that rate of return. That's right. So, how can I bump it up grow. another 0.1%? How can I double my money tomorrow? That's right. So, I thought the next thing would be to take a deep dive into investing the stock market and looking at how people normally think about that. And then sort of the arc is sort of like, let's talk about what people think about it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the different aspects to getting your money moving, growing. Let's talk about some of the myths because I have, Oh, that's fine. I have several like, Big pet peeves with the way people talk about the Love stock market. Love pet peeves. So we're going to do an episode all about pet peeves Love and it. things I hate the way people communicate. Nice. And then we'll, we'll, like we did last time, we'll put a nice shiny bow on it and wrap it all up in the fourth episode. That sounds delightful. That sounds delightful. Doesn't this, it? Yeah. So this is all about, we're going to be thinking as we always do mindfully, folks. This is mindful investing. Hey, everyone, and welcome to What's Up With Money? an ongoing conversation to help make sense of today's financial confusion. I'm Ryan, a writer and millennial who's asking the questions. I'm Ronald, philosopher and financial advisor who's giving the answers. From outdated 1980s financial advice to magic social media strategies, we aim to shine a light on what's really helpful, lessen financial anxiety, and better understand money. Thanks for joining our conversation as we ask, What's What's up up with with money? money? Before you, we get your hopes up, this is not about specific investments. We're not telling you what to invest in. No. Nor do we tell you to do anything. We're just here talking yeah. into the ether, and uh, we hope you're listening. Yeah. Be- part of that is because, like, for me personally, legally, I cannot give you investment no, you advice. <laughs> like a sticky subject. It, it, it is. So we have to be a little bit generic. That's right. That's also why none of the gurus ever give you specific investment yeah, advice. Because they can't if they're making money <laughs> off of it. There there are laws That's right. that govern that. So the people that recommend certain mutual funds on the internet is really dicey. It's, yep. it's, it's but we're going to try and unpack the different things so that you can kind of be mindful and be aware. And I don't, I don't even know with clients I have necessarily specific 
investment advice like pick this over that well because that but, i mean that changes almost daily doesn't it isn't that it so does. isn't it that does. so chaotic it's hard to yeah you know yeah unless you can go back in a time machine and tell you what to invest in it's yeah, like like buy apple in 1979 or whatever whenever they ipo'd but there like you go. but yeah for the most part and we'll get we'll get into some of the specifics of why there's an approach that I probably recommend when you think about investing mm. and utilizing the stock market for what it does, mm -hmm. but you can get it in a variety of different ways. Yeah. So now I will say uh, I am nowhere near the market, so I'm just here to ask questions. <laughs> I am not at all giving any type of advice. Yeah, when it comes you, to these four parts. If you've listened parts. to our episodes, you know that Ryan and the stock market are not quite friends. No, some would say I'm allergic to it. But, I, I stay pretty clear. But the, I mean, I'm, I'm warming up to it. I am yeah. warming up to it. You did say that in reading Adrift, you realized, oh, this is what reach people do. They buy this and is they, what, they're, in, they're involved. So maybe I should think about it more positively. This or, is what rich people do. This is true. And but we again, have a book that we will be talking about that is specific to this series. Yes. It was actually very eye-opening. Yeah. It so, was a really good book. I look forward to talking about it. Maybe but, at the break. Maybe at the break. So this specific episode... We're going to be talking about saving and investing in general. Yes. What exactly do we mean by saving and investing? Are those not two different things? Saving and investing? Saving, I feel, is safe. Investing is risky. Yes and no. It's it's kind of like, I think of it as like two sides of a coin. Like, okay. Like, or like two parts of like a process. Two parts of a process. Like part one is you got to have extra money to put aside. It might be like the quote unquote savings aspect. The 10%. Whatever. I, all those numbers don't make <laughs> You know me. I Those numbers are dumb. But then you have to put it somewhere. And so that's yes. like the part two. Put it in a vehicle as they say. Yeah. Yeah. A financial vehicle. A financial vehicle. Great. Great. So most people... And this is where I think, like, in general for this episode, like, most people then think of it in terms of a house or the stock market. Well, those are the two markets I think people are, those are the two markets people are most exposed to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And almost always, like, those are put in front of you as, like... Goals. The, the, two, the yeah. two places you can put money that will grow. Or that you can put money that's a good idea mm -hmm. so i or at least the most common idea yeah the most yeah. common i mean there's a bunch of different places you can put your money but those two sort of rise to the top in most people's minds when they think of like oh if i buy a house that's an investment oh if i put my money in the stock market that's an investment mm. and and the uh, the essential idea there is you're buying an asset that hopefully will appreciate well, some value. people would say buying a house is buying a liability. <laughs> you got me there. It is. Like, we So we did... We, we, so, this is, this is just a tangent. Go for we it. Did, we did a deep dive, me and Ben, who we've had on once, we did a deep dive on homes because a lot of people feel like they're a good investment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel like they're a great thing to leave behind for legacy. Mm -hmm. So we looked at them strictly from a benefit 
sure. in terms of investment and legacy. Okay. And the re- the return on a primary residence oh, no. is like 1%. Ooh. And then if you... If you <laughs> Why is it so low? That is so low. Well, in... And then if you if if you actually hold it for some time, it's a negative return on your money. How? Doesn't the doesn't the property appreciate? Isn't the whole point? But it's like you spend a million dollars to have a million dollars. But doesn't the isn't but doesn't the property go up? Isn't it like one point two? You have is isn't that the idea? So let's say you buy a home for five hundred. Okay. You hold it for thirty years and it's worth a million. Okay. So because of inflation, a million dollars in the future. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> like so then you sell it. So the, so so or or have it or whatever. See, this is inflation really screws you because because I, I, you don't realize that the dollar is devaluing as as your house is valuing. Yeah, it, so it, in a sense your asset. So whenever you buy a house, it is worth the exact same throughout time. That's, it does not grow in value. It's just the it's just the uh, the dollar goes down. The dollar so goes it takes down, more to buy them. The inflation rate. This is the inflation rate's going up, not the value of your house. Is that true? Is that really true? Hundred percent. That's crazy. So, and then when you think about what it costs to maintain the asset of a home. Like if you have to get like my neighbor had to get a new roof, twenty k. Well, doesn't the value of the house go up? No, got a brand new roof. Not no. A roof is like one of those things. Twenty thousand dollar roof. Yeah, it's not like no. All that does is maintain the value. (laughs) If someone is buying a home, they expect a roof. Expect a roof. Like so, it's it's the bare minimum. So, but. We'll leave. We'll leave the housing market aside. Okay. I I just I just I totally wrinkled things with that. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, but when you think about it, and when you actually do like the math, and uh, I believe that it used to be that way. Yeah. Not anymore. No. Like your home just your home grows. Is that just because of how the housing market is these days? Is that well, like the average housing market grows at around four percent. Okay. And then the inflation rate, they say, they want to keep it around two, which is well. Arbitrary. It's been it's been seven six percent these past couple of years. Yeah, like yeah. so on the normal thirty year average, you're over two and a half percent on inflation. Mm. So you might be getting one and a half percent growth on your house value. So it's not this big. It's but not when you factor when you factor in utilities, insurance maintenance repairs like taxes, some pe- taxes tax. oh yeah so some people estimate that like the upkeep on a house is like five percent of the house value every year so if you if you're only getting one and a half percent above inflation minus five percent you're in the hole i hate just when, to I hate keep, when math just sours things i know it it does but math really just soured buying a house yeah so when you think about like over time like the amount of money you have to pump into Why a property a, i've already been cooling off buying a house you just cooled me off i'm, I'm freezing now like why would i even bother 
Well, I don't know. It's why we have that episode about, you know, <laughs> Return of the Renters from our Lord of the Rings series. That's true. That's true. Anyway, let's move on from that depressing topic. That was very depressing. Okay, let's define what investing means really quick. What do you mean yeah. when you say investing as opposed to saving? As opposed to saving. Yeah. What do you mean by investing? Yeah, so like we've mentioned like you have to buy something with your money. Like, like and we have the weird philosophy that like you have to spend every dollar you make. Every dollar, yes. Yeah. So you have to buy things. It might not be clothes and McDonald's. It might be assets. Mm -hmm. So, or services or something. Insurance is a great place people put money so that they get a good exchange rate. So one of the keys to understanding investing versus saving is saving is putting money aside. So you're not doing anything with it. Yes. Does does a HISA count? Is that just like you're just you're just saving it, but at a higher value and a high yield savings? So I would say in that case, I would liken that to investing because you are choosing to buy something. You're buying an interest rate. Got it. So like you have to buy an asset, or you have to buy interest, or you have to buy something with your money. So right now the interest rate is like at five point one. Yeah. So if like it's that. five point one, or I can get you like five point, almost five point four. So, but if where are you in, going in that case, when you decide to put your money in a HISA high yield savings account for the novice out there, <laughs> when you put it in there, you're choosing to buy five percent of interest. Yes, that's how I want people okay. to think. Okay, so it's the same way you buy money when you when you take hanging out a loan. It's it's yep, the opposite. You're buying money. Yeah. It's, right. Right. Got you. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. in investing, you're actually buying something thing so a stock a bond like you're actually buying like a a security in in one sense okay like where you're actually like there's a there's a physical thing even though even though even though it's everything's electronic now yep you technically bought you are back in the day you would get an actual certificate that would say you own this stock you own this bond you own this yeah like when we set up an escort for you know you get you actually get stock certificates to still like I have stock certificates in my thing. That's amazing. They're all owned by my wife, but <laughs> like I actually have them. So, but right. I could sell that certificate. Your wife could someone. sell them. Yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> but, but yeah, essentially that that's where you're buying something with the goal of it appreciating in value. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 So, in the in the in the high yield savings, you're buying interest. Okay. You're buying a guaranteed interest rate. But I guess I guess saving with a lowercase s, like just general saving, is is just you're not tr- you're not buying anything. You're literally just taking your dollar and sticking it somewhere for yep. a quote unquote maybe rainy day or for whatever you need it. And yep. that could be either, I guess, like keeping it in a savings account in the bank where you get practically no yield on that or i guess yeah. like it's which under the mattress in your or in a little actual safe it's yeah. just like and just being there this isn't necessarily investment advice but my bar for that is if it's less than five percent growth like unless it's an asset like a stock or something like that if you're putting it into account that gets less than five percent growth it that is saving not invest not mm. accumulation not mm-hmm. 
like 5% is kind of like a bar in my mind in general. So if you're not getting 5% on your money, you're just hoarding. Oh, you know know what I find really fascinating about that is about that, you know, speaking of HISAs, it's only been recent that they've reached above 5%. Yeah. Like two years ago, it was like one. Yeah. So in that case, it's you're in, 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 in that respect, then a heist is just hoarding. Well, and even like treasury bonds, like if you look at what like- What is a treasury bond? Oh, sorry, I said it. <laughs> when you buy U.S. securities. So it's it's a way that the U- United States government gets money in exchange for, you know, they'll pay you interest on- Oh, so I give them money and they- It's a bond. They, I give them money yeah, and they pay me it's back. It's a bond. It's like it's your tax dollars. It's just giving the government money. But the way the government does it is the government takes on debt- the government is the like has the worst credit rating in in the world, like on paper. Oh yeah. Like if we gave the government a credit score like we give individuals, it would be uh, they wouldn't be approved for anything. No, no, no. But because because of the tax paying nature of, of of us as citizens and things, they they have a decent credit rating. Oddly enough, a lot of like we've talked about life insurance and the highest credited rating companies in the world are these large life insurance companies. (laughs) What was odd is a lot of like, there were several like large life insurance companies that had their credit rating downgraded. Oh no. Only because they can't have a higher credit rating than like the sovereign like state that they operate in. Oh no. So because the government got downgraded. <laughs> they all got downgraded? Yeah. Oh, but, what a bummer. Talk about context. Yeah. That sucks. So but in a sense, what you're doing is you gotta you gotta understand that like like if you buy a treasury, they're gonna give you an interest rate. And those rates have been like rock bottom, mm. like below one at one percent. But because of the interest rate environment that we're living in now, it's flipped. And so interest rates have gone up. Part of that was the government's, you know, trying to like stave off inflation and different things that happen. So then they raise rates, shorten the money supply. But mm. then as that grows, then it creates higher interest. So then you can buy something and go, oh, I'm now getting four and a half, five percent sure on on my money, which is better than one. So all that stuff happens within like the investing world and and now everyone's brain hurts. Really. That's I'm not gonna lie. My brain hurt a little bit as you were talking. I was I like, there's a lot of numbers in the air, a lot yep. of things were happening, your hands were making gestures. Yeah, we didn't even talk about yield curves. <laughs> <laughs> You don't really start this by saying taking a break. We are taking a break. We're taking a break. But you, you, you said you had a good intro. We're taking a break right now yep. uh, from our talk of savings and investing to discuss our book choice for the series called Why Wall Street Matters by William D. Cohen. Yeah, I thought since we're talking about investing, it would be good to have a book about the stock market. Yes, it's a very good book indeed. It's an easy read. Uh, there are, I will say there are some words that I had to keep a dictionary nearby. Yeah, you got to do that when you're doing investing. But I love it. I, lo- I love when there's a book that challenges my vocabulary. Yep. It's He's very smart, very smart man, Cohen. Very interesting read. He, he begins... 
the the first chapter is the history of Wall Street, how the street used literally used to have yeah, a wall, wall on yeah. it, which I did not know. And then just goes into modern day. And I will say he goes into some rants about his own opinions of things. And it's a yep. little, it's slightly dated. It's he, he wrote it back in 2017. Yep. But uh, it's not, that's not too much. That's not too dated. Uh, but it's, it's a, it is very, it will give you what you need to know about why wall street is important to the United States and the, basically the fabric of what makes it, uh, what it is. Yeah. And, and it's things like you don't have an iPhone in your pocket without wall street. No, he, he uses Apple as a, it's a great example of like why wall street matters. If you are someone who uses any Apple product product. You are a fan of Wall Street. If you use Amazon, you're a fan of Wall Street. If if you if you use any publicly traded company, if you buy any publicly traded if company, you Google anything if today. If you Google anything, you are a fan of Wall Street because yeah. Wall Street is the reason Those that all these exist. exist. Yeah, all of them exist. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things I like most about this book is his positive. Like people, people have mixed feelings about capitalism. Yes, they do because well, that's because they haven't give they've been giving people the X. I'm not gonna lie, they've been giving them the X. It's not, you know so, not been treating them well. But you don't have production and advancement without capital. You don't. It's one of the things that he weird, really like, he hits at home that yeah. that that Wall Street is one of the easiest ways for a growing company to gain capital fast. Yep. It is how you gain an in going being publicly traded, getting that IPO is the easiest way to gain a lot of money fast. Yep. And uh, then if they're good, they translate that into jobs, jobs and yes, innovation and advancements yes. and the things that we all rely on. That's correct. And and one thing I like about him is that he also he very much criticizes Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But he also he he has his own opinions of like where the problem actually is. Yep. You know, people think in th- there are those who think it, it needs more regulation and he's very much against regulation. He's yep. all about I mean, I don't want to spoil it too much, but he's basically about yeah, incentives. We have to talk about this for four I episodes. Know, I know. But it's just, it's just really, it was really, fa- I was not expecting to be added as into it as I was. It was a very good read. Well, and I think that's why it's one, when I think about books to recommend, it's, you know, like we talked about last time, books we don't recommend. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how do I find books that are readable? <laughs> like, yeah. Like that, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone. But if I had a Wall Street book that I could recommend to everyone, this would be it. Well, as far as readability and as far as like keeps your interest. Yeah. And so if you want to learn about Wall Street, I would say, hey, this is a great history, great overview. It's true. Great. He does. I mean, he does lean left, but I I don't know. I think I, I do think it is for I, th- I think anyone could read it yeah. and get yeah. something out of it. I really. He doesn't really tow any party line. It's it's really just yeah. his opinion of what what the issue is with Wall Street. And the fact that he starts with a historical account made me go, okay, this guy is pretty down middle of the road here. He's yeah. just trying to tell me like what exactly it is and what's going on. 
and it's 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 really well done. I, I just think he did a really well, really great job. I don't know. He probably left things out. There's probably people who feel like he didn't go deep enough about yeah. it or didn't touch on certain issues. But well, well, there are stock market books that you could read that are as confusing as our episode. <laughs> Odd. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like this one, I think when I when I first read it, I was like, "Oh, this is a really interesting treatment of the stock market." Yes. That is accessible, palatable, technical enough that passes, and then the history yeah. and things like that. So it really gives you an insight. I into- think if if anything, I think it's a great introduction. Yep. To like, if you don't know anything about the. St- I mean, if you know as as much as any other red-blooded American knows about the stock market, yeah, this is a great introduction of to like what actually what it actually is, yeah, and, and what it means, yeah, and the like one of the main reasons why I picked it. So uh, I opened this book, Why Wall Street Matters, mm-hmm. and my loving wife put a little note on the inside. Yes, she did. It and says, it says, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, that always makes me laugh. Uh, I love my that. wife has a good sense of humor, but I love that. Why Wall Street Matters by William D. Cohen. William D. Cohen. Pick up a copy, rent it from your local library, what have you, download it on an ebook, whatever your mode yep. of, get, a, get an audio book, however you wish to consume. Yep. Your novels and, and written material, go on ahead, yep. pick it up. It is definitely what the read. We'll be talking about it throughout the next three, the next three episodes. Yep. So strap in. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. So investing, investing, essentially buying more money, buying interest. It's, it's buying something with the idea that it will appreciate in value. Okay. So that then you can sell it for more than you bought it for. Got it. That's that's in general. So that could be cryptocurrency. You buy Bitcoin at 42,000 and then you hope it gets to 50. <laughs> you buy that's a, a big com- hope. You buy a company that you believe in. You buy mutual funds that have a track record. Okay. Of growth, all those sorts of things. That's you buy a property in the hopes that it appreciates. Like Right. So Okay, so stocks, housing, property, appreciation. Let's talk for a, a little bit about investing accounts. Okay. Yeah. There are things you called had a question. I did. There's a thing called a brokerage account. Now, I like to pretend I know what that means. Yep. The truth is a brokerage account. I think, actually, no. I'm just going to, I don't know what that means. Can you, for other people who might not know, but think they know what a brokerage account means, like myself, what exactly is one? Well, chances are a lot of people may actually have one and not realize it. What? I know. Because a brokerage account is a trading account where you can buy and sell securities. Okay. So that could be a stock, like a single stock of like Tesla or Apple or Amazon. 
So you have to open an account and you have to have somebody hold that account. A broker. A broker. Nice. Brokerage. Yep, yep. So there's a bunch of different brokers out there. So what you do is you you go and you open an account with a broker okay. and they help facilitate the buying and selling of securities. They broker the deal. They do. Yeah, I've, that, I know that term. There you go. So that's, that's... Why is it called brokerage? Like, what does broker mean? Like, why is it called a broker? Broker, because they actually facilitate the buying and selling. Because, and I think we mentioned this in our stock episode, like our general episode but like most people don't understand that there has to be a buyer and a seller yes in the in the arrangement like mm. you can't like you can't go buy that's right that's right we'll just use apple stock okay. you can't go buy apple stock if there are none for sale yeah and and this is lost on most people because because technology because of robin hood or whatever and because some stuff is frequently traded, we lose sight of the fact that there is an actual transaction between someone that has a share of Apple and someone that wants to buy a it's share such, of Apple. I, I forget about this too. It's, you do it's it's a market. You're buying and selling things. There needs to be a physical thing to buy and a physical thing to sell. Yeah, and in general, if you had a piece of paper. That said, Apple stock. Mm-hmm. How in the world are you going to sell it? You, you you go door to door. And so it's like, like we've mentioned my baseball card collection. Right. It's like, I need some sort of broker to share that with the world. In my case, it's eBay. So eBay essentially okay. is a broker. So it's a middleman. It's a middleman who helps facilitate... The they deal. connect buyers and sellers. Okay. And so what happens? So then as a broker, they open brokerage accounts for people in 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 the game of trying to connect buyers and sellers. Okay. Because the Is this o- also known as underwriting or is that a different thing? It's different. Okay, okay. So what these people have like the primary job, a broker connects buyers and sellers. Sometimes a broker will buy things from you for their own account because they know that it will be easily able to be traded. Okay. And sold. Okay. So because a foster parent who decides to adopt. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but you have to, you have to have that because it's, all like if you have stocks and bonds and it is all contingent upon the ability to sell them okay to somebody for a profit that's the idea but you have to have the ability to sell it mhm and so and you have to have a means and mechanism to sell it okay so that is essentially what these brokerage... Because you can't go on Craigslist and be like, I have a stock. Would you like to buy? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where you need to open... You need to establish like a relationship because then also you need, you need someone that can hold your stuff that you buy. Okay. Keep track of it. 
They're known as like custodians and record keepers. and They clean up. So like if you choose a brokerage account with a company, what they do is a variety of things for you. They give you the ability to buy and sell. Okay. They keep record of what you buy and sell. Mm. And they hold what you have. Because you don't buy an Apple stock and then one appears in your mailbox. <laughs> like, like All nice and shiny. Like, so, so that's where, and part of this is, you know, in getting into the history, when it used to be the actual physical exchange of paper shares, right? you needed someone to hold, like, like, yeah, like, yeah. like a bank for stocks. Yeah, exactly. So that's essentially what those are. Okay. And so, you know, when you open, this is where I, I'll, I'll tell you how every like a lot of people have one. So like a 401k. I was going to ask. I was an gonna IRA ask yeah. or a Roth IRA. Okay. These are brokerage accounts. So your 401k or your IRA, Roth, yeah. Yeah. is a brokerage account. Yes, because everyone says the A, and this is, this is a pet peeve of mine that is outside talk- of our, our pet peeve episode. We've talked about this before. Yeah. So if you go into the irs.gov, they actually just changed it. So let's let's do it right now. He's, this is live. IRS. Ron is on his phone. Gov. He's typing irs.gov. IRA. He's looking at IRA. All right. So these used to be called individual retirement agreements. Mm. Now they're called individual retirement arrangements. Oh, you look Google. It is. It's true. It's an arrangement. Wait, I, wait, wait. What? Okay. What's the difference then? What? What's you are that? making an arrangement with the government on the taxation of your money. Mm. But not an agreement. What's the difference? It, semantics. Okay. Arrangement probably sounds better. Like, so when someone says IRA is an individual retirement account. Very wrong. That's not true. That's not even in any of the options. No, no. I I mean, it's not what the IRS says. So what happens is... It's you, definitely not an account. It's like, not. Yeah. You open a brokerage account. With your IRS. So that gets that So gets you open though. a brokerage account with a broker. That gets confusing. And the type of money that's in that brokerage is an arrangement is an arrangement between you and the IRS. <laughs> see, see, that's a, that's a no. See, that is confusing. I see why people are. Uh, yes. How is that confusing? It's plain as day. It's confusing. It's it's but, very confusing. So if you haven't if you have an IRA, what you actually have is a brokerage account. Okay. The money inside of it is taxed as an IRA. Because it's an IRA right. arrangement that you've or made. Or taxes government. a 401k or taxes a Roth, depending yep. on what your arrangement is. It, exactly. Okay. So you can see why this is just nonsense. And like. It's so nonsensical. It's just, it's just words. We're just throwing words out. That's what it feels like. Because a 401k essentially is like a brokerage account. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tax code. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tax code. <laughs> So that essentially is like the background of like That's crazy. It isn't it? That's wild. That's but wild. that that account then gives you the ability It's not an account, Ron. It's an arrangement. No, no, your brokerage <laughs> account. Your brokerage account. 
The brokerage account that you have, either through your employer-sponsored plan, like a 401k, a SEP IRA, supply IRA, okay. gives you access to a broker so that your contributions and your employer contributions yes. can buy something. So I'm going to go straight. I get employed by company X. Not, not, I won't say company X, because X is actually a company. I get employed by... So you're working at Twitter now? I'm working at Twitter. I get employed or by the company formerly known as known Twitter. as Twitter. Everyone calls it Twitter. I get employed by Wires RS. I don't know if that's actually a company. It probably is somewhere. Oh, damn it. Okay, I get employed by Candles. The company is just called Candles, <laughs> and they offer me a four hundred one k option. I take the option. Yes. This is the four hundred one k is now the arrangement I have made. I have decided I am going to make this arrangement <laughs> through this tax code called four hundred one k. To start investing for my retirement. Yes. And now a broker who I do not know. Yes. Will, through the company, hired by the company, create a brokerage account for me that I did not ask for, but he is doing. Yes. And create, therefore, this account yes. through my arrangement. Yes. That will allow me to go on in to my 401k and buy and sell stock. Yes. Okay. Are you getting it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. But it still isn't. It's do, you, still, do you think four parts are enough? I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, hold on. Okay. But let's make it just slightly more complicated. What about mutual funds? Like, those are packaged securities, according to my notes. <laughs> so... So it, if, if it, I'm investing in a mutual fund, can I do that through my IRA or is that no? Yes. I can. It's often the most common way. Through my 401k? Yep. Okay. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, an individual security okay. is known as like a stock. Right. Like a stock is considered an individual security. And you need licenses like mine. I'm my, just going to ask one follow-up question yeah. to that. Is there anything else that's considered a security or is a stock? Oh, there's tons. Okay. <laughs> that's why you need a stockbroker's license like me okay. to know. So, like, options are considered, like, so anything that, like, where you are exchanging money for. Is that like, because it's a secure form of exchange? Is that why it's called part, a security? Yeah, that's okay. part of it. So, and then. Also, see, this is why you wonder and, why and I then, don't love the market. <laughs> and then all of these are regulated and have rules by right. the government, FINRA, like all of all of it is designed. What is FINRA? FINRA? Yeah. Gosh, what does FINRA stand for? FINRA is the regulatory body like in the securities industry. You have like the Securities and Exchange Commission that regulates. like the Fed? Kind of. Okay. They regulate, so, oh gosh, I'm going back to my testing. FINRA, like, regulates, like, brokers and dealers and advisors. Okay. So that's who, like, I report to. Got it. Like, they have your ultimate big boss. Big boss. jurisdiction, like, federal jurisdiction over that. Then you have, like, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which regulates certain things okay there's there's a bunch of regulation around securities we've been talking for like a half hour and i feel like we haven't said anything <laughs> welcome to the world of investing 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's the way. That's the way it really. This is this is it. So this is it. So you have something like crypto, not a security. This is not a stock. No. Okay. Wait, why is it not a security? Because it's not backed. Well, one, yeah, it's not backed by anything. It's not regulated. It's not it, regulated. It's ones and zeros. It's just yeah. So it so crypto is not considered in my mind an investment. Got it. Well, by the government security by, and by, by the by, government yeah. So by Fidra no Fenra 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 yeah Fenra. yeah. So and you realize that there is a ever since like the stock market crash that started like the Great Depression like nineteen twenty nine yeah all of like the securities rules started Around after there. that yeah 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 so like you have 1933 well that's the, when they created the fed right wasn't you have like the paper act on like what constitutes a security oh no and they the, created the fed just before that and the it, fed didn't help out that's right no and no. then you have like so you have rules that govern what is considered a security and you have rules that govern the selling and buying and, and advisors and okay. things like that 1933, 1934. That's how old, like, some of, like, the rules that, like, I have to follow are. That's almost 100 years old. Yeah. They're 90 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 you, do you still feel like they work? Are they still, like, applicable to today's financial market? In some ways, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's some in, financial <laughs> traditions hold true. In other ways, you're like, now wait. So I'm being tested on 90-year-old rules. <laughs> like, yeah. But anyway, so now that we've solved all of that. Okay, so a mutual fund. A mutual fund is a package security. Just a, a bunch of different securities packaged together. Why yeah. would you package them together? What's the point of that? Diversification. Oh, yes. Active management. Well, we learned that diversifying your portfolio doesn't mean just buying a bunch of different stocks. It means Buying a bunch yeah, of different so, markets. So the way mutual funds work is you have a fund manager. Is he fun? I, so <laughs> I've met like a dozen fund managers and there's one guy that you're, I've met. You're really not pronouncing the D at all. In the fund, fund managers? Yeah. <laughs> so essentially what happens is you have a team of people, analysts, financial analysts, fund managers, fund Managers and fund thank managers. You, thank you. That essentially look at the market and then buy a bunch of stocks. Got it. Okay. So then the fund holds, you know, a billion dollars worth of stocks. Okay. Of all these different stocks. Of all these different things. So you'll have like 5%, 7% in, you know, a bunch of companies. And then you'll look at the list and be like, okay, there's 75 companies. I've heard of four of them. Right. And and so then that makes up the, the pool of investments. Then you can buy a share of that for a certain value. Okay. You can buy it at the NAV. <laughs> What's the NAV? The asset value. So essentially that's what a price of per share costs. Okay. These things trade at the NAV. <laughs> like the NAV. Yeah. So but essentially what ha what is happening is then for your your share okay. is made up of a bunch of different stocks. Got it. Usually they're 
they're built about around like asset classes. You'll have tech ones. Yep. You'll have the S and P five hundred. You'll have growth. athletic wear. Uh, I. I I'll look up an athletic one. <laughs> and essentially what happens is there's more mutual funds on the market being sold than actual shares of like actual public companies. Why is that? Because we live in America. Because <laughs> people package things in different ways? Exactly. Okay. So essentially what happens then is then you have these fund managers that essentially are designed to do buy things, get you diversification, get you a certain type of growth allocation or whatever the the purpose of the fund is. You have bond funds, you have tax-free municipal bond funds, you mm. have growth funds, you have conservative funds, you have contra funds, which are designed what's, what's to that? go contrary to the market. Oh, wow. So you have all these different people that Against have different investing strategies that build different... And these are mutual funds? Yes, so, and then you have a bunch of people that- Why is it called mutual? Because you have mutual a about bunch it? of people buying into them. Oh, okay. That's the mutuality. That's the mutuality of it. Okay. Yeah. So, and then the idea is that then these fund managers do a good job and the fund grows. So your money grows. So if you bought at the NAV at 10 and then they do a good job and it's 15. Yeah. Don't we, a lot of mutual fund companies though go under? Don't they not last very long? Yeah, so there's a few things that happen. Okay. Over a 20-year period, I think it's like half of them don't survive. It's, it's not long. <laughs> it's not very long. So there, 20 years. There's a few I'm things, older than that. There's a few things that happen. So sometimes they do poorly. Okay. That's one exit. And so then what they'll do is they'll liquidate the assets, like the stocks in the fund, and they'll then cut. give everybody their cut. The cut and run. Yep. Other times what they do is they will they will essentially grow something and then they will sell it off and reinvest in something else. So they'll be like, hey, we had a good time. We're oh, out. Oh, okay. I like so that. So it's, it's okay. not always negative. Okay, that's cool. I dig that. I dig that. But the the trick is like over like a long period of time, such a small percentage of them beat like an index return, which – when I say an index return is like you'll you'll have like an S and P five hundred fund. Mm -hmm. So those are built where they will have just a variety of stocks of all the top top five hundred companies. Yep, exactly, and mutual funds rarely beat that. There's some that do, but yeah, but, it's, but this this is why I've only heard like my my perception of mutual funds is not great. Like I have not heard. Yep. Like I, when I do decide to invest in the market, I, I'll tell you where I'm not going. It's not a mutual fund. Well, like it's, it's about being smart about doing your research. Okay. On. Are there the some funds. mutual funds that are worth checking out? There are some that are really crazy. Crazy good? Crazy good. Okay. In the sense that like, uh, so I, I think I mentioned in our, you know, 25 episodes ago when we talked about the stock market is like, if you find a fund that's been around for like 20, 30 years, that's oh, usually a good sign. That is a good sign. Because they, one, they survived. Yeah. And they've done a good enough job to survive. Yeah. The second thing is you'll find funds that have 
growth over that time that is market equivalent or better. There are not many. Part of it is hard to find funds that like, who started funds in 1984? Well, I feel like that would have been a boom for people starting funds. The 80s, early 80s? I'm sure there was a bunch that were started. I'm sure many of them died. Yeah. And so then when you look back and you see, like, I won't name it, but there's a can't name it. There's a growth. There's one growth fund that is, in my mind, kind of stands out. Okay. As being crazy. Okay. Now, when you have those, you also have like significant downturns. So if the market crashes, those funds crash. Like harder than if than like harder than if you were just in the market. Yeah. Ooh. But, but if it goes up, it goes... It goes up way better than, like, the average. Okay, well... And so, okay. if, you're, if your market money is in that, and it's it's designed to be, like, hey, it's a long-term play... So, you're looking at, like, multiple decades, yeah, 40 years. If it's money that's not going to be spent or you don't need, you need something that that's, takes advantage of what the market can give you. Okay. And then you also have you also have people utilizing funds for short term plays, and so then that might take on a different strategy. Okay. Like you might have a chunk of money that you may want to put somewhere and then utilize over five years, or you know utilize like a tax free right. municipal bond fund that's essentially growth without taxes for a short period of time for some sort of reason. If you've got that, then then you can find funds that fit those things. Okay. You can find like state centric funds. Like, hey, this is invested in like we're in California. It's like, hey, this is a specifically California bond mm. fund that invests in your own state. It, okay. You can invest in your own state. Usually, get tax benefits within your state. Oh, that's cool. And then it's money going in to fund things that are happening within your state. And then you have the tax benefits and then, you know, the idea is that the fund managers manage that well and you're investing in bonds that pay you a decent return. So So there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff out there. Fun stuff. There's a lot of fun there stuff. There is a out lot there. of fun stuff out now, there. Now we've been talking now I, look look, look, we're we're we've been talking for a while now and I've had a lot of questions because it's it's been yep. this is this is new territory for me, but um, I know that we you wanted to get into housing before we get into housing. Is there anything else you want to tap into the market about? Well, I think the last my penny for thoughts about the market. Okay, this is an early penny for your thoughts. Is everybody needs money in the market at some point? Because it's, it's how you get rich. <laughs> that is not what I will say. It is a way to capture growth that's needed to stay ahead. It's also a way to capture downturns. That's true. But if you never have market exposure, you just can't get growth on your money to keep up with inflation in the economy. I guess it's true. So it's a little bit of a gamble. Okay. Okay. But you have like you you have to have some market exposure mm-hmm. 
or else you don't, it's really hard to keep up. Okay. It's really hard to find places to put money that can keep that you can above keep inflation, get you 5%. Got it. And so there are some places, but like you don't want to be like, we've been in it in a, we were in a crazy bull run from like after the housing crisis until mm -hmm. 2020 when we had a massive dip for a couple months mm -hmm. that that run if you were not in the market even with the downturn in 2020 you lost out on so a much opportunity yeah like yeah and it's just you can't you can't do that and and over the long term overthinking like if money that's not going to be used for 20 30 years like you you have to have that in something that's beating inflation every year. Yeah. Okay. Or at least has the opportunity to beat inflation. Sure. And so sometimes it's not necessarily that it does beat it, but you give it the chance to beat it. Got to give it a chance. Okay. So okay. it's not, it's okay. not always, yes, you will have downturns in a 20 or 30 year time frame. You probably will experience at least one, two, hopefully not three 20% corrections. Ooh. But it's a big chunk. It is. But compared to a static like savings account or like other any other method, it's not. It you just compare. you just won't you just won't end as high. Right. But that's why we recommend a diversified strategy. Right. Like having money in different in places. different markets and different markets. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's because, a great that's a great argument. That's because, a great argument to be in the market. Because you need you need non-market money We've talked about so this. that your market money can, can grow. do what it's supposed to do. And then when the market dips, you can use your non-market non money, money to, yep. help, to help raise it up. Yes. Yes. We've talked about that. Okay. So when Great. do you want to open a brokerage account? <laughs> Where do I sign? Yeah. Um, right. okay. Housing. You want to Housing. So Housing. Primary, primary residence and rental properties. <sighs> the idea that people have is that they buy their home for, let's say, 500K and then sell it 10 years later for like 740, 750K. Yeah. Right? And then they're very excited because they're like, they I made, made 240K. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, But <laughs> <laughs> But the growth was probably zero on that is the, is the idea you're working with, right? Yeah, so basically yeah. what we're doing right now is just making everyone depressed. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, so the growth is probably zero. <laughs> is that because of inflation? Is that why? So you have, you have two things. Okay. You have two things. So you, the thing that, with like a primary residence especially, like you don't realize that like you are the one paying for the growth. I am? You are. Why is that? Because of taxes, your mortgage. Your interest on your mortgage. The property tax? Utilities. Oh, utilities. Upkeep. Repairs. Maintenance. Economists have done studies that basically show that like a primary residence is a 0% return. Because of all of the money of that all you... All the expenses. All of the money that has to it, go it, into... Yeah, it Into it. Yeah. Whereas like if you bought a... Offsets. If you bought a stock of Apple... Right. 
at a hundred. Well, I don't have to upkeep the Apple stock. You do don't I? have to upkeep. Yeah. It's the same is true within insurance policies. You you don't have upkeep costs. Like, yeah, that's true. You don't have repair costs. I just have to pay the premiums. You just have to pay the premiums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in in some cases, when you factor in all of the upkeep costs of the outlay of cash up front, all of the utilities and expenses that go into it, you can you can look at a home and then when you aggregate all of that stuff, it's like, yes, your house is now worth seven fifty. But guess what? You paid three hundred oh, no. to gain two fifty. That's not good. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it and it's it, it's not to be disparaging on on housing because housing has a place in in someone's financial spot. And what is that place? Well, it can be an asset you can borrow against. Oh yeah, you can have like a HELOC or something. Right? A HELOC or something, yeah. So yeah, then yeah. you can get access uh, to capital. Home, what's a HELOC stand for? Home equity line of credit. Thank you. Home equity line so of credit. So there's those sorts of things. Or you can move out. Like I was talking to someone today, you can move out of your primary residence and rent it. You can rent it out. And then, but where would you live? I don't know. In some cases, it might be better to rent and but have someone I'm, pay the rent on your home. Oh, but where would I live? And you could cash flow. Would I? Where would I live? Just go rent somewhere else. So I were to rent somewhere. Yes. At a lower cost. Like in some cases, would, yes. Okay. Yeah, depending on depending. So like, like let's say. So here's here's the other thing. Here's the other magic thing about, and why, this will be. I don't know if this qualifies as investment advice. Okay. A thirty-year mortgage is magic. What's that? And you should always have one. Oh. <laughs> because should if I you think refinance? about... So think about this. We've talked about inflation. Okay. We've, so a 30-year mortgage in most cases is fixed. Yes. You should so, always have a fixed mortgage. So think about, think about this. Let's say you had a mortgage and it was $3,000. $3, huh. And in 20 years... Oh, that, that would be $6,000. But you're still paying what? $3,000. That, oh, that so. is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the only thing that does that sort of weird, unaffected by inflation. Because it stays frozen in time. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't move it up with inflation. It is the cheapest yeah. thing. And so then, in some cases, you can reset that. Yeah, you refinance it. Yeah, right, You can right. refinance that and keep your tax breaks. This is something people don't. This is something people, older people especially, they don't do. They get rid of their tax breaks. So, so when you refinance, let's say you've been paying for 15 years, halfway through. Yeah. Right. And you're like, you refinance for another 30, 30. years. Yes. But, but so your payment goes down, right? No. Because it's the same. No, it doesn't. Sometimes your payment will go up. Why is that? Because your house value will be different. So let's say you bought a house for 100. Okay. Thousand. Okay. And then... You're paying it off for 15 years. Sure. So okay. you're about 30% paid off. And then you, you refinance. But you, you're, you so, still already paid 30%. Yeah, you're so just, you've paid 30. So now yeah. you've paid down to 70. So okay. your mortgage is 70. Let's say the houses were 200. Okay. You refinance at 200. You walk away with 130. 
in your hand and you keep your tax breaks. Wait, so the refinance is I'm taking a loan of 130 back? You get cash. You get cash back? That's why people do cash out refis. So if I was to refinance, I would, I, I would get that cash in my hand. And then I would get 130 And you no, reset the mortgage. You just reset it. Yep. And you get cash in, in hand. They're, they're known as cash out refis. So every 30 years, I could just refi the house, get cash in hand. Because it's, So you got to think about what happens. You have lender A that you owe 72. Okay. You refi with lender B. Okay. They give you 200 for the home. You pay 70. You pay the 70 back to A. Okay. A. So that's paid off. And then you have. 130. Yeah. So in bigger home values, like this is where like I think retirees have bought a myth that having no house payment is good because they're thinking no bills, Mm -hmm. but they're not thinking about cash. They're not thinking about cash in hand and taxes. One third is a lot of cash. Well, like, that could definitely go a long way. Let's say, let's say your parents' home is worth a million. Okay, it's it probably is. If it's paid off, they could refinance. It's a million bucks. Get a million dollars in their hands to do stuff with, and then just pay off a thirty-year mortgage. Now, sure, that might be. F- let's say it's let's say it's six thousand dollars a month. It's a lot of money. They have a million in an account. Is $6,000 really breaking the bank? I guess. I guess. Yeah. Like that that's and that's where that's where in terms of investing, a primary residence can be an investment if you if you utilize it correctly. If you utilize the equity for other stuff. Right, right. If you just let it sit we got to You got to You got to If you have that million, you got to invest. You got to put it somewhere. Put it in a vehicle. Yeah, or like take it out, invest it. Like let's say, let's say you got a five percent mortgage. If you invested that money in a high yield savings account, mm-hmm. you could have a million dollars in over here making five percent. All that gain could just pay the mortgage. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. So then you have a house that's being paid off and a million dollars. It's amazing. This is where when people get into like true investment thinking, that's investment thinking. Mm-hmm. Having a home paid off is not investment thinking. investment thinking. It's asset thinking. You have an asset. Great. Now you have to do something with the asset you have to make more money. Wow. I mean, this is what we talk about, how like debt's not necessarily bad. And I think that's a great example of how debt can be good. Well, it, you're playing in you're playing technical a game. term. It, you're playing, playing an game. arbitrage game. Yeah. So debt's fine if you can have debt at 5% and an investment making 7 You're winning. Yeah. That's why that Voldemort clip of him being like, I won't take a billion dollars ever at zero percent. It's like that's it's dumb, dumb. It's dumb. Like it's dumb. Like zero percent is not debt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's not. It's not the same thing. Mm-mm. So, but 
that's sort of how like when when people think of like primary residence like unless they start utilizing the equity for something else and knowing that like that's probably the cheapest access to capital that they will Their ever house, come across yeah. yeah it's like like if i asked you like hey what's the easiest way for you to get 100 grand tomorrow oh i have a kidney <laughs> i know well, you have two. I have two kids. Well, I don't. I need, I need at least one. Yeah, one's one's preferred. I could go with one lung if I really needed to. Yeah, but yeah. if your parents took out a hundred thousand dollar mortgage on their home and you paid it, let's say it was let's say it was a thousand a month, would you pay a thousand a month to have a hundred thousand dollars in your account? <laughs> if I knew what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you can see like that that becomes the that becomes the game. Right. That becomes how people utilize their assets. And most people that own a home yeah. never venture down the investment aspect. They just have an asset. And so in that case it ends up being more like a savings mm. where they're actually not doing anything yeah. with their home it's a savings account at zero percent interest sure so, which isn't bad because you can save for a long time and have something worth something but in terms of investment it has to be like like that's where like that five percent number yeah just it has comes to get back. you something like yeah, and a house doesn't a house doesn't get you get you that there's random blips where like you get uptick in the housing market that's crazy mm -hmm. 2020 2021 was definitely that mm -hmm. an, an anomaly but in general you're not getting that on a house so does that clear everything up for you like are no you, uh, <laughs> it did good job. It, it did good it you did good you okay. did a good job you did a good job okay there's, I mean, we definitely will talk more about these things in the next three parts yeah. of this series of savings and investing. Because it's so clear. According <laughs> to you. No. This, the brokerage account thing is still so funny to me. Um, so you, you, you gave a penny for your thoughts when it came to investing. Yep. Do you have one to, 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 to end cap this? Do you have one for housing? Yeah, I think my only my only thought as a penny for your thoughts is in order for it to move from being saving to investing, you have to utilize the equity in your home for something else. Mm. So you have to make you have to make use of that. And in general, reinvesting it into your property doesn't it's not really it's where not it's at. Long. Okay. So you can pull out cash, you can get access to cash, access to capital that you can then put to work somewhere else because your home it's it's weird because your home will still be sort of increasing in value with the housing market and so it's the one place where you can get access to money for cheap you can put that money to work somewhere else your your asset will still be increasing in value and you lock in like a, a 30 year runway of fixed cost mm but if you never take out the equity of your home and put it to work somewhere else, you basically have a savings account. Interesting. Yeah. And for, for a lot of people, that 
that's a great thing because instead of paying rent, they're thinking my rent payment is now paying my, is a savings account. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite that because if you look at like a 15-year amortization table, there's a, you know, you get a... What is that? So an amortization schedule is how much you pay down on your your loan. Okay. So in most cases, if you're halfway into your mortgage, you've maybe cut 30% of your loan. Because you've mainly been doing the interest. Because you've been paying interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where it's like, it doesn't quite... Doesn't quite get there. No, no. Yeah. But it's not bad. It's not good. But you got to utilize it. If you're looking for financial growth, you've got to utilize home equity. Yeah. This is just all, again, this is thinking mindfully about yep. it because I feel like what you're there. I feel like what you're saying a lot of it could bug a lot of people. A lot of people be like, how dare, like, not how dare you, but like, that's that's some bold things you're saying, sir. You know, it's facts, you know, but it's just facts. Yeah. But I love it. It's great. It's great. Thinking differently. We're thinking differently here and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and neither way, neither. It's not a right or a wrong. It's just no. I mean, nothing we say here is right or wrong. It just is. We, I mean, most of the stuff we say is right. But, you know. <laughs> We're just trying to get you to think. We're yep. just trying to get you to think. Next week. What Next will, week. What are we? What are we talking about, man? Why do we invest? Yes. The reasons we invest. Is yeah. that like the origin of investing? Like what it really means? Like are we talking like history channel stuff here? I mean, we can. It was, In my mind, it was more of like the the psychology of like why investing oh. is so like primary. Why is it? Okay. Okay. Like why it's the, it's almost primal when it comes to finances. Yeah. Like our buddy Ray Katz said, you know, it's the bee's knees, you know? The bee's knees. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why we invest coming up next time next year on what's up with money until then spend wisely yeah you like that i just made that up here on the spot you like that that was was great that was great that was great (laughs) thanks for listening to what's up with money we'll continue our conversation in the next episode but until then please subscribe to rate and review the show Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show, so if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media, or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, What's What's up up with with money? millionaire before I'm 20 and this is how we want to be millionaires too teach us how I work for my dad's company I have a contract with them and I get paid every month Uh (laughs) 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 all right so this that's amazing it is it is so this guy this guy is funny because he'll take videos like this and be like ah like god damn it (laughs) like like reacts really well but if you don't know this video this is Grant Cardone's daughter. He has a net worth of like 
really a big real estate guy. Yeah, you've probably seen him on social media if you've if you've scrolled enough. Okay. Uh, but you know they estimate he's worth like six hundred million. They estimate his firm manages like four billion dollars worth of real estate, and so his daughter is like. Here's how I'm going to be a millionaire. Oh my gosh. By the time I'm 20, it, and it's like... Talk about being so out of touch. I work yeah. for my... It's like, it's... it's All that tells me is like, do you think that everyone has a dad that you they can work for? <laughs> where you can make well, that's, four that's, to five grand a month? Well, like That's where like the pitch is so like, okay, so here's what I'm doing to become a millionaire by the time I'm 20. And then... Like, I think that's why the video is so funny. It's like, the guy's like, oh, yeah, tell us how, tell us how. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I work for my dad's company. Ah, like, my dad's Warren Buffett. <laughs> like, yeah. like, come on. Like, but anyway, it's like, this kind of stuff, it's like, like, well, you know, context. That, that just, I don't know, have, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I heard this story of like, ooh, story time. I just heard the story of someone saying how they were with a very, they had a friend who was very, very wealthy, like highly wealthy, to the point where every child had their own driver. Yeah, and I think I were, mentioned my parent, my kids have a driver. Do they really? Yeah, me. <laughs> so they were like. The, the guy was in the car with the friend and I'm gonna I'm, 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 I might be skipping some some things but the guy basically said to the friend like who do you think uh, oh, oh the guy was who like I'll drive your, who drives your driver yeah, yeah yeah the guy was like I'll, I'll drive and she was like what do you mean you'll drive like just have your driver like I don't have a driver and she's like what do you mean you don't have a driver it's like not everyone has a driver who do you think drives your yeah. driver yeah and it's and, and like the 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 look on the friend's face, it was like they never considered that that yeah. people that other people don't also have people who drive them, and all that video you just shared shows like how out of touch those who are uber wealthy are. Well, they don't realize just how wealthy they are. Yeah. You know, they don't realize just how privileged they are, just how lucky they got yep. through the, the DNA lottery of being born to who they've been born to. You well, know? and you're like, oh, yeah, what, what's your strategy? Oh, rich parents. Yeah. Thanks. Like, you should try it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me, let me get myself some rich parents that have, you know, $600 million net worth or whatever it is. You yeah. Know? But anyway, it doesn't make sense. It does not. And I sense. feel like we should ban this kind of stuff from the internet. <laughs> Just please, yes, get it out. 